BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Watch out, El Paso. Here he comes. Donald Trump heading down for yet another phony visit to the southern border. This one, a campaign rally in El Paso. What do you say? Hello, everybody. That's all right. Beto O'Rourke is going to be there with a counter rally at the same time. What do you say? Good to see you today. Here we go on a Monday, Monday, February 11. How was your weekend? Hope you had a chance to uh, kick back, uh, spend some time with family and friends, as did I, uh, and are ready to jump into yet another week, yet another busy week, a very um, tense week, uh, shall we say, already starting out that way because Friday is the deadline, the deadline uh, set by Donald Trump to avoid another government shutdown. So here we go, the Bill Press Show from our nation's capital, live from Washington, D.C., and joining you coast to coast all across this great land of ours online, on the radio, and on television as well. We'll bring you the news of the day and invite you to send us your comments about the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show, another great lineup of guests and uh, we have uh, two more Democrats. Well, she was almost in. For all practical purpose, she was in. Now Elizabeth Warren is officially in. Uh, a very impressive launch on Saturday. And Amy Klobuchar, first candidate from the Midwest, from Minnesota, uh, also a very strong launch on Sunday, except uh, <clears throat> she had to deal with uh, making her announcement in the middle of a blizzard. But she said it just proved that she's got grit. And, of course, the big question, will they reach a deal by Friday midnight, which will avert another government shutdown? So much to talk about again. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. But first... This is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. You know, the Grammys were last night, Bill. You bet. Yes, indeed. It was a big night for music. It was a big night for female artists, yeah. uh, by the way. Yeah, Cleaned lots up. of female winners, including Album of the Year, which went to Casey Musgrave for her album, Golden Hour. It's a great album. Record of the Year uh, and also Song of the Year were both This Is America by Childish Gambino. Best rap album went to Cardi B. 
Uh, Best Country Album also went to Casey Musgraves for uh, Golden mm-hmm. Hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have time to go through the whole entire list, but it was, uh, it was really an interesting night. Alicia Keys doing a great job Alicia as Keys the, was the host. host. Yeah. Uh, and bringing some uh, stars, surprise, guests on as part of her opening act. She did indeed. She or did her indeed. monologue. Yeah, yeah. She, she brought out uh, a couple of big names. We'll, we'll talk about those yes. uh, a little bit later, I think. Including one former first lady of the United States. <laughs> the crowd was very happy to see her. Let's just put it yeah, that way. Right. Did you see any good movies this weekend? Uh, negative. No, no good movies. Does that mean you didn't None see at all. any movies? No, okay, right, all right, all right. Yeah, right. I just yeah, want to be clear. Right. Well, uh, number one movie in America is The Lego Movie 2. It's the sequel to The Lego Movie. Uh, that would not have been on my list. I have to tell you, Lego Movie, the first one, was pretty good. It was pretty okay. good. Uh, we, I haven't seen Lego Movie 2, but they, but it did debut weaker than expected. It only brought in $34 million over the weekend. Uh, second place was What Men Want, and third place was Cold Pursuit. So not a... Not a Super uh, busy weekend at the box office. When are the Oscars? Next weekend or? Oh, geez. I think it's in two weeks. Two actually. weeks, okay. I, I right. think that's right, but it's not next weekend. Uh, well, if you didn't see a movie, did you get did you get a good night of sleep last night at least? Oh, yes. Yeah. Good. Good. Because? Well, the University of Hong Kong has a new study that says if you don't get enough sleep and your sleep is lacking, it could actually damage your DNA, it could actually really break you down at a cellular level. Uh, and they say that it affects your body's ability to repair itself. So let's say you, you know, get some sort of injury, you know, sleep and rest really does, they really play a big factor in your healing process. And if you don't get enough of it, you could just never heal. Uh, so we should just change it to be early to bed, late to rise. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Makes That's a man right. healthy, yes. wealthy, and wise. Exactly. Huh? Exactly. Ben Franklin, we're sorry. We're changing, uh, <laughs> Look, change, changing times your Times have advice. changed. Times, times have, have changed. changed. This is the Bill Press Show. And their numbers are growing. Two more Democratic candidates jumping into the field all over the weekend. Elizabeth Warren on Saturday. Amy Klobuchar on Sunday. Boy, either one of them would make a great president of the United States. Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show. Welcome, welcome to the program. It's good to see you on this Monday, February 11th. We thank you for joining us, and I hope you had a, a great weekend. Uh, it is over, but uh, I hope you still had relish the chance that you had to uh, kick back, relax, spend some time with friends and family, maybe go to a good movie, good dinner, have some friends over, whatever, at least recharge your batteries, and ready to jump into another very, very busy week, a week that is already uh, fraught with anticipation Uh, because this is the self-imposed deadline by Donald Trump on reaching a deal to give him $5.7 billion for the wall, which ain't going to happen, or face the possibility of another government shutdown, which is very interesting because no Democrat in Congress wants that and no Republican in Congress wants that either. Uh, The question is, is will Republicans let Donald Trump get away with it if there's no deal reached by Friday? 
And at this point, they're far from a deal. It looked like last week they had everything all set. Uh, now there's a big hiccup and uh, may not make it. May not make it, which means off here we go again. That's just one of the big items we've got to talk about today as we join you online. And good to see you there on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We remind you, thebillpressshow.com is also where you uh, join our podcast. Listen to our podcast, which is up every day. Not just one. Who does not just one a week podcast? I mean, we're there every day, even on weekends. Um, but uh, to make sure you um, don't miss anything, don't forget when you go to the podcast, billpressshow.com. Sign up, register, become part of the team. You know, we had somebody uh, on on Twitter point out that they were on vacation uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. and they were just sort of off the grid, and they came back, and they caught up on everything they missed by just listening to a week's worth of the podcast. It's a good reminder that, like, we, we put stuff up every single day yep. that yep. you can go and, and uh, refresh yourself, you know, depending on what happened during the week. Moves the news moves very fast, but uh, like we we have it all up there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was out to lunch with a friend Saturday just down the street here. Uh, one of my favorite little uh, dive. It's a real dive, but it's a great little place called the Tune In. And uh, walked out of the Tune In. There was another regular at the Tune In, Congressman Raul Grijalva from New Mexico, right? Who said, "Hey, watch your podcast every day." Nice. Yeah. All right. And I said, oh, that's great. He said, no, I mean it. I mean it. I'm serious. I do. I do. I like it. So Good. Thanks. That's great. Thank you, Congressman. Uh, also, uh, good to see you on uh, Free Speech TV as we come to you coast to coast on the uh, great Free Speech TV, part of the DirecTV network, and on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. And how about it? Chicago. Boy, Seattle's the one that got hammered by the snow this week in Seattle and Portland, but uh, Chicago's had its more than its share all of our good friends on WCPT, hello, 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 hello. Yes, indeed, the Democratic field got a little uh, more crowded over the weekend. She had already, uh, on uh, New Year's Eve, announced uh, that, in effect, she was running. She formed an exploratory committee, uh, but she's been talking about really running, not just exploring. But Saturday, I thought, in a very impressive launch up in Lawrence, Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren made it official. I stand here today to declare that I am a candidate for President of the United States of America. Uh, she had. Uh, she didn't have the twenty thousand that Kamala Harris had out in uh, um, in Oakland, California. But you know, she had a good five or ten thousand there, uh, from what I could estimate, in Lawrence, Mass, at the mill, the the old textile mill where. In the early 1900s, a group of women, slave wages, walked out of the mill and went on strike against their mills. A very, in the in history of the U.S. labor movement, uh, a very historic occasion. Uh, and that was a good sight for this woman, Elizabeth Warren, uh, to, to take her stand. In a very powerful speech, I thought about fighting for all Americans. I love, there was one line uh, that uh, she used, I want an America that works for everybody, which I thought was a kind of a nice summing up her candidacy. Uh, and, you know, the whole time that she kept saying, they say this can't be done, but we can do it. We just got to fight. We got to fight. She used the word fight 28 times in her speech, which I thought was a, you know, was a good image. Um, and I kept thinking about Mitch McConnell. Nevertheless, she persisted. I saw 
our buddy Alex Seitzwald, who was just in last week, was at the event, and, and there were they were handing out cookies uh-huh. at the rally. Uh, and on the cookies, there were little sugar cookies, and they had on it just the word persist. Yes, And they yes. were handing it out to the crowd. Right. And, you know, she will persist. And she's she's going to be a strong contender all the way to the end. She's, Look, you know, yeah. we, we talked about her rollout, uh, which I, I don't think was uh, flawless, to say the least, uh, with the DNA test stuff. Oh, that. And, yeah. And all oh, no, of that. no. She, that is dragging her down. But, but. but her event on Saturday was excellent. It looked great. She Her message was right on point. She had a great crowd. Um yeah, yeah, and you know she could pull back from the right. Sort of, that's a, that's a little blip. I mean, it is. Yeah. A, it's a, it's a problem. She didn't handle it well. But every every one of the candidates that's announced so far has some little. You know, Cory Booker's got um, Goldman Sachs, right? Yeah. Uh, Kamala Harris has her support for the death penalty. Kirsten Gilles, uh, Kirsten Nielsen, Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah. Uh, she's got the big support for the NRA, right? And so they all have something they got to explain for. Elizabeth, I, I was on MSNBC Saturday um, with Alex Witt, uh, on again this Saturday with Alex Witt. But, uh, and you know, that point came up about, this is going to hurt her. And I said, are you kidding? Donald Trump access Hollywood? He's president of the United States. I mean, everybody can get away with one little thing they did wrong, right? So, uh, so good or in the for, case of Donald Trump, dozens and dozens and dozens uh, of yeah, things yeah, wrong. Yeah, right. Uh, the next day, Elizabeth Warren, again, summing up, here's why I'm running. A minimum wage job in America, full time, will not keep a mama and a baby out of poverty. And the reason for that is a Washington that today works for the rich and the powerful instead of for working families. And that's why I'm in this fight. Yep. There she is. Indeed. You know, the, the, the shutdown, I think, really exposed how um, sort of uh, tenuous things are uh, from, you know, uh, for a lot of different people and a lot of different middle class, uh, where wherever you are, 500 bucks could absolutely ruin a family. Yeah. An unexpected yep. $500 expense could ruin a family's budget. She, yeah, and again, she talked about that Sunday and yeah. Saturday in her yeah. announcement. She said, you know, transmission falls out, right? Can't deal with it. Yeah. Kid gets sick. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Roof leaking. I mean, yeah. need a new refrigerator. I mean, whatever. Figure it out. $400. Most Americans, that's their that's their margin of safety. $400. Uh, it's it, terrifying. It, yeah. We live right on the, um, most Americans live right on the edge. Uh, and Sunday, uh, another very strong woman, very strong candidate, Amy Klobuchar. Uh, her lane is, uh, she's the Minnesota nice, right? She's from the, well, some of her staff don't agree with that. But overall, a lot of her staff has said she's she pushes them like hell, like she pushes herself, and she is good to work for. That's, so it's a mixed bag there. But at any rate, she's from the Midwest. She's a woman. She has been the first woman elected in Minnesota. Um, she, ha- she won by, I think she got 60-some percent of the vote the last time around. Very successful. Um, she's good, former prosecutor uh, as well. And uh, she made her announcement. She said we need somebody with grit. Well, she showed it making her announcement, not just in a where it had snowed, where it was snowing in the middle of a freaking blizzard. I stand before you as the granddaughter 
of an iron ore miner, as the daughter of a teacher and a newspaper man, as the first woman elected to the United States Senate from the state of Minnesota, to announce my candidacy for president of the United States. And about the snow? Oh, come on. We're from Minnesota. Hey, if Prince could do that halftime show in all that rain, I can do this in this snow. By the way, so she's there and the snow is falling on her and she's got a little snow on her shoulder. The people in the crowd who've been standing there waiting for her, probably for an hour, they had like three or four inches of snow on their heads and their caps on their shoulders. The it crowd a, shots were uh, amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, it was uh, no, there was people that got there early and then mm-hmm. you just saw the snow start to accumulate <laughs> on top of their heads throughout the event. Well, I got to tell you. Uh anybody who could uh, bring their crowd out in in in, in that weather, a good, good good for her. Good for her. And she said, "You need somebody with grit. I proved that I've got I've got the grit." And uh she told her crowd, "Here's what I want to do on day 1." On day 1. We will rejoin the International Climate Agreement. Uh, and I guess, in fairness, we got to mention a couple of other candidates that were on the road uh, yesterday. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand was down in uh, Peter's hometown of Charleston, uh, South Carolina. She's made this point before. She's there to fight for American families. I want to fight for other people's families in the same way I would fight for my own. That means fighting for health care as a right, not a privilege, fighting for better public schools for our kids, making sure anybody can earn their way into the middle class because the American dream really is for all of us. Not quite up to the energy level, I don't think, of Elizabeth Warren or an A.B. Klobuchar or a Kamala Harris, uh, but uh, Kirsten uh, Gillibrand. And then uh, Cory Booker. Cory Booker uh, was also down in South Carolina, uh, former mayor of Newark, of course, and uh, so... The question inevitably becomes up because he keeps talking about love. All we need is love. Just be nice to each other, and that's who I am, right? If they make fun of Amy Klobuchar, Minnesota nice, he's trying to be New Jersey nice. You know, there there is no such thing as New Jersey nice. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? right? So I might as well forget that, right? But at any rate, ask Chris Christie. So Rebecca Buck from uh, CNN asks him, so, like, are you tough enough to fight Donald Trump? There's some Democrats who say fight fire with fire. Well, I, I, you know, as a guy who was a mayor and actually ran a city with a fire department, you can't really fight fire with fire. Uh, that creates a whole <laughs> lot more burning things down. I'm trying to say that we as a country need to rise up. Come on. Get some, get some fire there, man. Uh, don't you think? Yeah, wrong. What does that answer even mean? It's no. drivel. Yeah, yeah. Total, absolutely. complete drivel. Right. Uh, and one other candidate, yeah, he's still out there uh, exploring his candidacy, the Howard Schultz. Uh, but, you know, he is he's he's gangbusters. He is just lighting crowds on fire all across this country with such enthusiastic applause. Uh, here he is. He's at some college campus here talking about the tuition on the campus. Listen to how the crowd responds. Under President Daniels, the cost of an education here will be less expensive in nominal dollars in 2020 than it was in 2012. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Got to clap for that. Ooh. <laughs> That's embarrassing. He, he gets to his applause line, and it was in 2012. Da, 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 da. No, that's an applause line. It's awful. 
Isn't that, that, is isn't that awful. embarrassing? Yeah. Oh, uh, <clears throat> remind you of uh, Jebby Bush? I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap. <laughs> oh God, that's so bad. It's so bad. That is so painful. There he is. If yes. you're giving a speech and you hit a big applause line and you have to ask the crowd to clap for you, <laughs> you're not doing a great. You give speeches all the time, Bill. I mean, do you have to prompt the crowd to clap for an applause line? If you have to do that, if you have to do that, yeah, you're not yeah. doing a very good job. You're not doing a very good job. What you thought was a big applause line. Is not such a big yeah. applause line. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here we go again. You know, it it is really embarrassing that uh, um, every issue that comes up where there's any kind of a deadline, the members of the United States Congress, whom we purportedly elect because they're so wise and um, you know they know so much and they're so committed to solving problems that they can get things done, and then they get to Washington, and they just look like the whole amateur hour all over again, which it's turned out to be, so many, how many times, is the point I'm making, we see them when they have a deadline, like 11 p.m. or midnight on a Friday, and they go until the very, very last minute, and then they can't get anything done, and so usually they just kick the can down the road for like another three weeks. Well, it's happened. It's happening all over again now with this three-week interim in between shutdowns, where Donald Trump said, "Okay, I'll reopen the government, but if you don't give me, I'll give you three more weeks now to come up with 5.7 billion dollars for my freaking wall, or we're going to have another shutdown." And that's where we are. So two weeks have gone by with nothing happening. The co- committee's been meeting. Last week we were told they were actually close to resolving the issue without giving Donald Trump, there was some money for border security for fixing some existing uh, barriers, but no money for the wall. Uh, They were close to an agreement on that. Uh, Now we hear from everybody that the talks have stalled. They've hit an impasse. uh, And uh, members of the committee are saying probably a 50-50 chance that they get it done by Friday and if they don't, again, we're back in the middle of another shutdown. Um, and there is a question whether the Republicans, even Liz Cheney over the weekend said she doesn't want another government shutdown. No Republican, no Democrat has said, uh-uh, we want to shut the government down again. They got burned. Republicans got their asses burned over the last shutdown. Everybody recognizes that except Donald Trump. Uh, there is a, But the question is, if Trump says, no, we're going to have another shutdown, whether Republicans will stand up to him, I think the answer to that is no. They'll roll over again. They're, I mean, they're total patsies, total, I'd say worse, but I, mean, I can't. I mean, you have to think uh, about what, they're, what, what are their but, options, right? They can tell Donald Trump, screw you, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to fund the government, we realize we can't get a wall, and we're not going to have another shutdown, or we're going to go along with this shutdown idea. But they're not going to stand up to him. They're not going to stand up. They haven't yet. No. Why would they start now? What they should do is say, look, here's our bill. Okay. And we're not going to, and there's no money for the wall. And let him veto it and then override his veto and show we are in charge. We are in charge. We are the uh, legislative branch of government. 
The Constitution gives us the power to decide how much money we spend on what, not not the executive. The executive can propose, but Congress has the power. They are either going to exercise their power or they're not. And so far, first of all, on the war power, on the war-making side, they've already ceded that authority a long time ago. And now, on the, now they're, they have already once and look like they could again cede their authority on the financial side, which would be catastrophic. It's important to keep pointing this out because it's not like their hands are tied. No, no. But I think people just sort of think that, like, Trump is no. is sort of pulling the strings here. They are independent, and they should I, be independent, of what the president does and says. I, I made this point before. Every single president, Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. They all have their wish list. They put their ideas up. They get some of them done, and they don't. They don't win every battle. They don't get everything they want. That's not the president. That's not the way our government works. It may be the way it works in Saudi Arabia. It doesn't work here. Ronald Reagan wanted a balanced budget amendment. Talked about it all the time. Sent it up to Congress over and over again. Never got it. Didn't shut down the government, right? George Bush wanted comprehensive immigration reform. Boy, I take it in a flash. It was a pretty good plan. Sent it up to Congress. He couldn't get Republicans to go along with it. He didn't shut down the government. But you know, the other, the other so, so Congress does have the power. And I, I, I want to remind us all, uh, who else has the power? Remember, how did the last shutdown end? It ended when 10, only 10, 10 air, pardon me, air traffic controllers at LaGuardia Airport did not show up for work, and they had to shut down flights for about an hour or so or two hours, whatever it was, curtail flights at LaGuardia Airport. That's all it would take. Before the end of the last shutdown, I was calling for a one-day sick out uh, for TSA and air traffic controllers. Remember Sarah Nelson from the flight attendants here was calling for all unions to have a one-day walkout in support of the air traffic controllers and TSA. So if we get into another shutdown, I just would hope uh, that our good pilots and flight attendants and mechanics and air traffic controllers and the TSA agents, TSA agents would remember their power and on the very first day of the shutdown, just all you need is 10 in Chicago, 10 in Atlanta, 10 in L.A., 10 in Kennedy or LaGuardia Airport, shut down air travel in this country and the shutdown would be over. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump today is... Uh, so, by the way, just on that shutdown, uh, Mick Mulvaney, the um, the pseudo-chief of staff. I mean, we know that Jared Kushner is the real chief of staff. Uh, Mick Mulvaney just um, <clears throat> has the job... I mean, has the title without the power. Uh, he was on with Chuck Todd yesterday saying, can't rule out a shutdown. We cannot definitively rule out a government shutdown at the end of this week. You absolutely cannot. Yep, absolutely cannot. Uh, and that's what they're that's what they're saying. So actually, um, Republicans and Democrats on the Hill may not want it. But you know what? Um, Donald Trump wants once another shutdown. To point out before, he enjoyed the last shutdown. It made him the center of attention, which is what he wants more than anything else. 
Um, meanwhile, so we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, Donald Trump today uh, is going down to the border. He's going down to El Paso to hold a campaign rally. Uh, this is it started in December. So this is the third month in a row uh, that Donald Trump has done nothing at all in terms of public policy except talk about the border. And this is his second, at least, maybe third trip to the border during that time, which is, by the way, they're just total phony photo ops. Nothing happens. He goes Completely down to the border. Waste total waste of time. Uh, probably costing you and me $3 million to send him down there. Uh, and tonight he's going down there to hold a campaign rally. Yes, a campaign rally uh, at the border. Um, fortunately, we'll see what happens with that. Beto O'Rourke has called people to come out for a counter rally to the Donald Trump rally. So maybe we'll have a uh, split screen um, little evening. That would make it interesting. You know what would be and great? And piss him off. You know what way. would be great? Yeah. Is if every cable news station just carried the Beto O'Rourke rally. <laughs> that would drive him completely insane trump well even a split screen would drive him insane you're right yeah you're right right. but the networks could say well we know what donald trump has said about the wall yeah he's going to say about the wall so let's hear what somebody else has to say about the sure right i think that would be great yeah fox news certainly won't do it (laughs) but i mean it would be it would be fascinating to see uh trump's reaction to that right um by the way he spent the entire weekend um I know because I get the schedules, part of the White House press corps. He spent the entire weekend in the White House, never left, watching TV and tweeting. Uh, Now, this is his weekend, so this doesn't count as like maybe presidential time. But, I mean, that's all he did. Routinely, the pool has to show up at the White House because the president, he might go out to play golf. He might go out to a movie. He might go out to lunch. You never know. It's it's every day, even the weekends, so the pool has to be there. And they're there until we're told that the president is just not going to leave the premises, so you might as well go home because we're in for the night, for example. And usually that's around 5 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon on a weekend. Um, if the president goes out to dinner, so he's later. By the way, so this weekend, the pool was dismissed each day like around – 10 or 10.30 in the morning, <laughs> meaning he was just going to stay in bed, stay in his, in his little private quarters the rest of the day, uh, which adds up to, now this is not counting the weekend, but last week, the last four days of last week, 50% of his time was so-called executive time, which you talked about. Which What's that mean? Staying in bed, watching TV, tweeting, Lying on the couch, drinking Diet Coke. That's what we got. Can I Can I read? 50% of his time, executive time. I want to read some of his tweets from yesterday because about, these stories- You have the been, one about executive time? And that's what I wanted to get yeah, to. Yeah, right. Because last week we talked about all of the uh, executive time that, that right. oh, had yeah. been detailed in a leaked memo uh, to right. Axios. By the way, and they are on the warpath to find out- who leaked the schedule. Oh, yeah. The president's schedule is not a top secret. <laughs> right, exactly. Hello. Uh, here's what Trump said yesterday at uh, 1.30 in the afternoon. The media was able to get my work schedule, something very easy to do, 
but it should have been reported as a positive, not yeah, negative. Right. Yeah. When the term executive time is used, I am generally working, not relaxing. In fact, I probably work more hours than almost any past president. The fact is, when I took over as president, our God. country was a mess. Depleted military, endless wars, a potential war with North Korea, VA, high taxes, and too many regulations, border immigration, and health care problems, and much more. I had no choice but to work very long hours. Yeah. <laughs> he, so he has worked longer hours than any other president and has accomplished more than any other president. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Childish. Yeah, right. But they are saying, Mick Mulvaney told Chuck Todd yesterday, by the end of the week, they, they expect to swoop down on whoever leaked the executive time to uh, Axios and to Jonathan Swan at Axios, that, who continues to report on it. That 50% is Jonathan's uh, update uh, last night uh, in his uh, little newsletter. Uh, so... We got lots more to talk about, and you have lots more you want to comment on. Don't forget, send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Niels Lisniewski joins us next from Roll Call, senior Senate reporter. Uh, and we'll find out uh, any hope that we can avoid uh, another shutdown, or is it going to be an emergency declaration? Give us a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. And here we go, Monday, February 11. Hello, everybody. Great to see you today. Thanks for starting off the week here with the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital. And we are here today in part thanks to the support of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. Think about that acronym, Sheet Metal, Rail, Air, Rail, and Transportation. It's the SMART Union under the leadership of President Joseph Sellers put them all together. They are giving a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. Check out their website at smart-union.org. And uh, welcome to the program with me. Starting off the week, Niels Lesniewski from Roll Call, senior Senate reporter. Niels, good to see you. Thanks uh, it's for coming in. good to be in. back. Yeah, we don't even give you a Monday to... <laughs> Start off slowly. We get uh, you. you know, the federal government may have a two-hour delay, but uh, we're both here to work. Is there a two-hour delay today? There is. Because of the rain? And because of the rain oh or snow God. or they're whatever s- they said it was. They're such chickens when it comes to the weather at any rate. Uh, if I'd known that, we could have started two hours later. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> right. Uh, we've been at it for a little bit here, Peter. Yes, indeed. Some comments on Twitter, where we are tweeting at BP Show, at BP Show, uh, about Donald Trump going to the border. KG says, time for that giant wall distraction rhetoric to kick in. Uh, that is that is usually where Donald uh, Trump yeah, goes yeah, right. uh, when he needs to cause a distraction. We talked about 2020. Holly says, Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown are great candidates, but electing either one means one more GOP senator. Uh, which is an interesting take on it. An interesting take on it. I'll take either one as president. Yeah. By sure. the way, Sherrod Brown has not. He yet, has not announced. Not yet announced. Yeah. Right. Uh, Stevie, resistant Stevie says, "I know it's early to get behind a candidate, but boy, I really love me some Elizabeth Warren." Uh, and somebody from Minnesota pointed out, we keep referring to what Amy Klobuchar gave her speech in as a blizzard. They said, "Bill, uh, mm. in Minnesota, we don't call that a blizzard." That's just a regular old little snow. I'm sorry. That, that was a, yeah. Just a little dusting. Here, we would call that a blizzard. In Minnesota, that's nothing. That's nothing. That snow that we saw 
Sunday in Minnesota would shut down Washington for a week. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing, and it's nothing to Minnesota. Yeah, right. If you have a comment on point any topic taken, point at taken. any time, uh, find us on Twitter at BP Show. <clears throat> Notice also how Minnesota nice that comment was. Yeah, he didn't say you know. You idiot. I was a jerk. Yeah. Or you idiot. No, you're right? stupid. No. <laughs> right. <No. laughs> Just gently pointed out. We very much appreciate that. Yeah. 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 So and then, Niels, they threw we... a, then they threw a binder at your head. <laughs> <laughs> so, Niels, we got lots to talk about. Uh, before we get into it, though, it was there was a uh, uh, at the Staples Center in Los Angeles last night. Uh, as Alicia Keys was starting out her monologue to open up or opening act, whatever, for the uh, Grammys. There was a surprise, a series of surprise guests, but the big surprise was the former First Lady Michelle Obama joining other uh, women, uh, friends of Alicia Keys, to um, come up and talk about music in their lives. Michelle Obama could hardly get the words out because the crowd wouldn't let her. From the Motown Records, I will... She had to basically tell the crowd to shut up. She had to, I mean, it went on for like 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, And uh, she, uh, I don't know, is she going to run for president? (laughs) She says no. And I think that's that's right. But boy, she's got a lot of support out there, rightfully earned around the country. So, um, Niels, what's your take? You uh, follow these people uh, every day. Is are they going to get it resolved before Friday, or where are we heading into another shutdown? Uh, well, going into the weekend, we thought they were going to get it resolved before Friday. Uh, but yeah. what seems to have happened over the weekend, and in, in, in whose fault or whatever exactly, is not entirely clear. Uh, but my best read of it is is that after uh, Richard Shelby, the uh, Republican from Alabama who leads the uh, Senate Appropriations Committee, met with Trump on Thursday, uh, something may have shifted. And the Republicans, it sounded like over the weekend, and the Democrats basically stopped talking over this issue of how many uh, ICE Basically, uh, facility beds should be funded uh, and whether or not there should be a cap on uh, how many uh, detention facilities that ICE can open up. Uh, and, and the Democrats are basically saying they need to have some sort of limit on that. And that seems to be where this discussion has moved. I'm not sure they had actually agreed on the actual uh, amount of money for the wall but it sure seems like they might have, and in doing so, they may have moved on to something else, and now, they, now they've now they run into a stalemate. Well, I was going to ask you about that. What you said uh, is significant because if that's true, and what I've read confirms what you're reporting, the, the holdup is not money for the wall. Right. There is no money for the wall. Right. There's, there's money for there's, other stuff. And there's money for repairing walls or replacing pla- there may be places where there's currently a fence yeah. where they could take down the fence and replace it with a wall or but we're some no, or something different but, barriers or but there's no new construction right, of new wall best best as we can tell that's where we were and and it may have been up to 2 billion so there had been 
Right. The math, of course, there had been 1.3 billion proposed for all of this. It may go up to 2 billion, but it's still sort of within the same parameters, right. not the ones that Trump wanted. And Republicans and Democrats, to the extent that we know, would have both agreed to that. That's what we believe, yes. So then they get hung up on another issue, which is, again, as you pointed out, how many detention facilities ICE can open and how many beds they would have. Are these for kids? These are for families? These are for refugees? It's not entirely clear. Uh, There is some discussion about whether or not there should be a restriction which says that you're only allowed an unlimited number of beds for violent people or people with criminal records other than their immigration violations. You have to be careful with that language, of course, because the immigration violation itself is in fact a crime, and so you have to make sure that you're not basically opening the door to a creative interpretation by Stephen Miller as to what constitutes a criminal. So, um... Our friend John Yarmuth, from uh, a Democrat from Kentucky uh, and a frequent guest of the program, uh, who is now chair of the House Budget Committee, said, here's what we need to kind of sort through this. What needs to happen is Secretary Nielsen needs to come to the Hill and lay out her plans and be questioned on them so that we can figure out and try to come to a, an agreement on what the, the necessary security provisions should be. So I guess what the Democrats are saying, from I hear from John Yarmouth, is we're not going to give them a green light, right? We want to know what you need, and then we'll see if we can agree on that number or not. But right now, they don't know that number. Right. They don't know the number, and they also sort of don't know how many restrictions they need to to impose on this. This is sort of an unusual situation because normally with an appropriation bill, you would you have some sort of guardrails on the funding, but you don't specifically need to go in and say of this money, one million dollars may be spent to build a detention facility in El Paso, and one, you know, there you don't need to get that granular. I don't think usually, but mm-hmm. that may be some of what the Democrats want. Is unless Nielsen gives them a plan, you know, how they may need yeah. to just sort of dictate all of the parameters. So, what are the options if they cannot, if they don't agree? Well. So the most likely, it seems, would be a longer-term continuing resolution. The question would be whether— So, wait, they kick the can down the road yes. for another maybe, two— Well, maybe kick the can down the road for the rest of the fiscal year until September 30th. Would Trump go along with that? We don't know, but it may be that Congress passes it and sees what— happens, for lack of a better term. Or, which means the government stays open and they continue to dicker on border security. Right. Or it could be two weeks, or another two weeks, another three weeks, or something like that. Right. Or maybe all the way to the end of the fiscal year. Right. And we don't know which way they'll go yet, but we think that that seems more likely, as of this Monday morning, that seems more likely than a shutdown, unless, of course, Trump were to veto. Let's do the... Oh, just, that's where I was going. Let's say let's say they, come, they, they the committee, commission, it's called, it's, yeah. comes to some agreement, 
with the $2 billion, as you point out, but not the 5.7 for the for the wall. And they send it to Trump. He could, he could roll over and sign it, right? Right. He could veto it. Right. Uh, would the Republicans override his veto? I have always thought they would not. But... I mean, none of them want a shutdown. Well, they all they, say they all say they don't right. want a well, shutdown. Well, and so here's the so here's the here's the caveat. The based on the just sort of logistics, there's supposed to be a recess next week, and the logistics of President's Day, and just the logistics of it, you could have a scenario where the veto override vote doesn't come up until you're a week and a half into a shutdown. The calculation for whether to override a veto may change during a shutdown rather than when it's a hypothetical. Hmm. Oh, that adds a complication. Unless they do what they did before and don't take – they didn't take Martin Luther King week off. Right. And they don't take President's week off. Yes. That could be too. Right. We don't call them days anymore because they never just go off for a day. They always – Take yes, the entire they, they, they are scheduled to take the entire week again, they and of course, and of course, this week, um, particularly for the House, but I'm sure it'll mess with the Senate schedule too. They have the funeral for John Dingle. Funeral for John Dingle, and Walter Jones died yesterday, so there yeah. may be people who have to go to North Carolina at some point too. So the schedule is sort of all in flux because of funerals again. Remarkably enough, we went through this in December. Uh, when the George H.W. Bush funeral mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. messed with the government funding deadline previously. So this is this is the second time in a row that sort of we have this added complication of an unavoidable complication, of course, but we have this added complication with the scheduling. So there's one other option, which is the president could uh, veto it and then uh, announce an emergency declaration, which he threatened to do again over the right. weekend. He's been threatening that for the last two months. I also wouldn't be surprised, frankly, Which if Republicans he... keep saying, right. don't do that, Mr. Right. President, right. don't do right. that. I also wouldn't be surprised, frankly, if he signed the deal, then declared that it's not enough money, and so he's declaring an emergency anyway to try and get more money to fall out of some tree somewhere. Yeah. Uh, like a tree called the Pentagon, huh? Maybe. Yeah. Right. Um, so, um, guess we'll see. They come back today, and they'll be meeting today, and uh, yeah, and we'll probably not know for sure. We should know. We should know today whether or not there is a big deal, because basically, the the logistics of the House, and at least so far, uh, Speaker Pelosi and Majority Leader Hoyer saying that they are adhering to their three day or seventy two hour rule before things come to the floor. Um, it would be a little early for them to follow the path of the Republicans and ditch that, but it is a government funding deadline, so maybe they will. Uh, but just generally speaking, I think if we don't know today. There probably will not be a big deal. That doesn't mean there will be a shutdown because yeah, they may do a continuing right. resolution. But just the mechanics of processing really a big government spun- spending deal means we probably need to know by midnight tonight whether or not it exists. Wow! Even on a Monday, they have to wrap up. You think right? On well, because if you count, if you count forward, 
The Democrats are claiming that three days really means three days, which means they can't vote mm. until Thursday, probably. Yeah. Um, before we move on, you mentioned uh, two, two people there, or you mentioned Walter Jones well, and, and, and John Dingell. Um, each in their own way was a real giant in the House, right? I mean, John Dingell served longer than anyone, I anyone, think, yes. in, in the House. Yes. Uh, and, and a very, very powerful man, um, and representing Detroit, right? A real champion of the auto industry. Uh, and um, so some environmentalists, you know, felt that he was not well, on their for side. Sure. We, there was, and there was when the Democrats were in power in the, the last time that the Democrats had the yeah. majority. I mean, frankly, as you know, um, Pelosi basically kicked they, Dingle out as chairman and replaced him with Henry with, Waxman. With Henry Waxman, right, on, on climate change and on basically on environmental and climate change issues because he was not strong enough. At the same time, on health care, he's, he's, nobody was fought harder for health care. Yeah. His father did before him and I think introduced the first legislation, and then he did his entire entire career. A real, a real yes. giant. And the, uh, the final post that he dictated the message that he dictated to his wife on his deathbed in the in the, appeared in the Washington Post yesterday a very very powerful statement about what the country's all about what the congress is all about and and um uh and how far we've fallen from what he sees as the ideal for the work right. of congress and then Walter Jones so John Dingell Democrat Michigan Walter Jones Republican uh from North Carolina uh, in his own way, an early supporter of the Iraq, Iraq War, who turned uh, against the Iraq War and was really—I uh, I went on a congressional pilgrimage with him uh, on one con- congressional delegation, CODEL, as they call, uh-huh. uh, to the civil rights memorials uh, um, to Birmingham and to Montgomery and to Selma. Uh, and what a great man he was! He was really very thoughtful and very strong, and and willing to buck with his party, particularly on. Um, war powers, right? And 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 uh, back when um, our 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 friend uh, Matt Fuller, who's at uh, HuffPost, um, back when he worked for uh, Roll Call, he actually pulled out last night. He wrote a story about Walter Jones and how his voting record was the like weakest Republican Party line voting record there was in the House, and it was because. Uh, for, for those who are not as familiar, there's this thing called the motion to recommit, that when you're in the minority on the bills on the House floor, you get to sort of this sort of partisan shot that you're allowed to fire to force a vote on something. And so uh-huh. when the Democrats were in the, were in the minority, uh, and basically if you're in the majority, you're supposed to vote against the motion to recommit no matter what it says. Walter Jones apparently never would always vote for motions to recommit that were supporting more money for veterans. Oh, yeah. So whenever the Democrats pulled out increasing the VA budget or veterans health care or anything like that, he would always vote for it, which is apparently what caused his voting record to be so far off from the Republicans. Right. Um, I want to ask you about the Green New Deal last Friday announced by... um, an unusual pairing, uh, yes. Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts, but the lead sponsor, a freshman member of Congress, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and immediately was immediately was supported by Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, 
Bernie Sanders. Yes. <laughs> some real heavyweights. And then the Republicans were just sort of making fun of it, right? Yes. Called it loony and crazy. Donald Trump said, brilliant. I mean, obviously, didn't mean that, but right. yeah, they right. mocking right. it. Uh, does it go anywhere? Well, I think, obviously, because it was a resolution, it may not go anywhere as a resolution. Uh, but I think that there are certainly pieces of it that will be on the House Democratic agenda at some point. The other thing which is fascinating here is <clears throat> I had heard some rumors at least, uh, and I had read some rumors at least, about whether or not Markey would get a primary challenger. And mm. I think that ship has sailed. I don't think there's any way, you know, because there had been people who had thought... He wasn't doing enough? like Or like Joe Crowley, who yeah, Ocasio-Cortez right. defeated in, yeah. in New yeah. York City, yeah. right. that he was sort of from the old guard and it may be an opportunity for a more right. progressive person. But in reality, there aren't probably many... There's There's really not been anyone to the left on climate issues of Ed Markey for years. Oh, no. In the, I, I, in the House, he was uh, yes. a, a, a way out in front on I, this issue. I want to play a quick clip because this is from yeah. when they announced it. Um, AOC actually made the point, we don't we don't lose elections based on this type of stuff. I don't think that we lose elections by addressing climate change. I don't think we ever have and I don't think we ever will. Yeah. You know, sh show me one, one place where they have. Well, one could say that one of the reasons... Democrats lost control of the House way back when, when yes. Nancy was first speaker, was their push for climate change legislation. You, right. But, the, but the, uh, the time, as Ed Markey was asked about this Friday, and he said, times have changed. And I think uh, AOC is absolutely yes. correct today. I, I think it's I think that the I think that the sort of opposite side of that coin is that there are there are there are pockets where you can sell your opposition to the Green New Deal and it works. I fully expect, I don't know why, I'm, I just have this sense, that Mitch McConnell's re-election campaign in Kentucky is going to be all about keeping the Green New Deal off the Senate floor. And if you right. elect whichever yeah. Democrat, I don't think Yarmouth will actually run for Senate against McConnell, but, you know, yeah. let's just yeah. say he yeah. does. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine McConnell's people not being all about, you know, he's going to shut down the coal mines and that that whole routine uh, will reappear. Uh, so one other thing I want to ask you about is that, um, you know, the Republicans, if you look at the last two years when the Republicans had control of the House, the Senate and the White House, they accomplished one thing, really, one big thing tax in Congress, cuts. which was the tax cuts. Now we find out um, that. There may be a reverse effect of these tax cuts and that the tax refunds that Americans are going to get this year are, what is it, 5, 7, 8 percent lower? Yeah, they were lower. 8 percent lower as 8 of last lower. Thank you, Donald Trump. Uh, it's, it's, it's a remarkable sort of technical error, miscalculation that they may have made because what it sounds like happened was in their effort to sell the tax cuts on the front end, they adjusted the withholding tables so that when you get your paycheck, your paycheck looks a lot bigger than it should mm -hmm. in a way that they shouldn't have, which is why you now on the back end are not getting the refund. So they, it's not necessarily that 
So, Most people didn't get a tax cut, but because it was sort of spread out over their paychecks over the year, now they owe Uncle Sam or they're only going to get 100 bucks back or something. What, what sort of the miscalculation here is people don't realize how taxes are actually paid. And so when they don't get the check back, oh, well. So it's just one more evidence that the, even their one big accomplishment um, – Blew up in their face. Yeah. So boomerang. Oh, man. Well, it's just getting started, but uh, that's it for now. Niels, thanks so much for coming in. You can follow Niels Lizanuski and all of our good friends at Roll Call. RollCall.com. Adele Stan from Right Wing Watch joins us as a friend of Bill in the this next hour. Don't go away. Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show. Or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. And on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, you weren't happy with uh, any of the Democratic candidates so far? We got two more for you over the weekend. Yep, they are rolling in. Uh, Elizabeth Warren making it official. Amy Klobuchar jumping in the middle of a snowstorm. We won't call it a blizzard anymore. A snowstorm out in Minnesota. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday, February 11. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you today, and we very much appreciate you joining us as we reach out to you from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. And uh, this is a big week, big week, because remember, Friday is the deadline for reaching an agreement to keep the government from shutting down again. It looked like uh, they had kind of wrapped it up uh, before the weekend, and then over the weekend things fell apart. Uh, Maybe Donald Trump uh, had a hand in that after meeting with uh, Senator Shelby, the chief Senate negotiator. Uh, At any rate, things are stalled right now, and we, we, we could be heading into a second government, second Trump shutdown. Uh, Let's call it what it really is. Uh, And with that, Donald Trump, keeping the pressure on the wall, goes down to El Paso today for a big campaign rally uh, at the border, uh, which could be matched, uh, supposedly going to be matched by a opposing rally by Beto O'Rourke. And, uh, I think I hope we can count on the people of El Paso for more of them to show up for Beto than for Donald Trump. At any rate, lots to talk about. We want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day. Uh, Sound off and let us know what you think about what's going on. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. And we dive right in, but first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, so we have talked about Amy Klobuchar entering the race for president. And we have talked about the snow 
that was there at her announcement. Well, Donald Trump tweeted about it. He said, well, it happened again. Amy Klobuchar announced that she is running for president, talking proudly of fighting global warming while standing in a virtual blizzard of snow, ice, and freezing temperature. Bad timing. By the end of her speech, she looked like a snowman, parentheses, woman. Well, Amy Klobuchar fired back. This again was on Twitter last night. Said, science is on my side. Looking forward to debating you about climate change and many other issues. And I wonder how your hair would fare in a blizzard. Oh. Pretty brutal takedown oh, from Amy Klobuchar. Touche. Yeah, touche. not bad. You not know what? Bad. He would have had orange <laughs> dripping down Gross. all over his Gross. jacket. It would have. It would have been running down his neck. Yeah, uh, that's gross. Uh, I just hate to think about it, but you're right. You're right. Uh, you mentioned Donald Trump is going to be giving his uh, big speech at the border. Uh, there have been some governors in different states yep. who are fighting this. We talked uh, last week about how it was happening in some states. Well, the latest to do it is in California. New Governor Gavin Newsom says he is going to pull several hundred National Guard troops from the state's border with Mexico today. So that is pushing back against Donald Trump's uh, rhetoric uh, about how bad things at the border. Things uh, are at the border. My good friend Gavin, Governor Newsom, yeah. uh, said it is a manufactured crisis. Yeah. Uh, which it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you are one of these doomsday preppers... Which I don't think you are, Bill. Uh, but, uh, no. But there are, I mean, there's a whole industry built around doomsday preppers, right? Whether it's, oh yeah, uh, you know, the prepared meals or anything like that. Well, there is a bunker in Las Vegas for sale. Subterranean bunker has everything you need. $18 million is all it will cost you to move into this doomsday bunker in Las Vegas. It's 26 feet underground, and it has scenery, like fake scenery in there. They have a little golf like a putt-putt golf course. They have everything you could possibly want if you're going to be stuck there in a nuclear winter. MREs? MREs? Come with it as well. This is the Bill Press Show. The Green New Deal. It's the best and the boldest idea we've seen out of this, out of Congress, probably since Medicare. Uh, and all Republicans can do is make fun of it because they have no new ideas of their own. Hey, what do you say? Hello, everybody. Great to see you today. It is the Bill Press Show. Here we are. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, on this Monday, February 11, with all the news of the day, such as uh, you will find it here in Washington, uh, around the country, around the globe, <clears throat> across the river, in Virginia, uh, on many fronts. Lots to talk about today. Two more candidates jumping into the Democratic primary, for sure, over the weekend. Elizabeth Warren, uh, no surprise, made it official on Saturday. Amy Klobuchar, again, no surprise, but she made it. No exploratory committee for her, just diving right in uh, on Sunday. Uh, she becomes the, let me see, Kirsten Gillibrand, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Amy Klobuchar, the fourth United States senator, and the third woman, fourth woman, because Tulsi Gabbard from the House 
announcing for president on the uh, Democratic side. Uh, also, we have found uh, that we are yet again on the brink of another shutdown when the special commission of Republicans and Democrats formed to come up with a plan. Uh, Donald Trump said, come up with a plan to give me all the money for my wall, but let's just say come up with a plan to avert another government shutdown. Looked like they had done so, reached an agreement. That whole thing has fallen apart, and now uh, they're saying there's less than a 50-50 chance they'll be able to resolve it by this weekend. At any rate, uh, it's getting a little tense. We'll see how that develops. Uh, Niels Lesniewski from Roll Call telling us in the last half hour uh, that if they really want to vote on a Verta shutdown and vote on this by Thursday, they have to really finish their, their negotiations by tonight at midnight. Here we are again. Uh, give, them a, give, them the Congress, give the Congress a deadline and they will take right up to the last five minutes to resolve it or not. And they may not be able to resolve it. At any rate, uh, that's all. just some of the issues that we'll be uh, looking at today here on the uh, Bill Press Show. Again, good to have you with us as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. As we join you on the radio, hello, WCPT out in Chicago. Great to see you today. And hello to all of you watching on Free Speech TV, part of the Direct TV Network. Uh, we covered uh, some of the issues at the uh, top of the first hour, but uh, there's so many uh, we didn't get to. Uh, first, I've got to start with, um, you know, whatever happens to former press secretaries, you never know. You know, I mean, they just sort of, like, we haven't heard from about Robert Gibbs for a long time, huh? Um, Jay Carney, same thing. I think Jay's working for... I think he's... One of the big... One of those with Uber now. Uber, maybe. Yeah. And then... Uh, Josh Ernest Ernest uh, has been a contributor at MSNBC. Maybe still is. Maybe one of them works with Amazon. But the, I, I think mean, he's working you, with them. But they they sort you of get like out. You disappear. go cash in. Yeah, you, you just cash, go cash in, and you right. don't show up on TV a lot. Yeah, you, right. You represented the most powerful office in the land. Yeah, you could go work for a multi-billion-dollar company. And meanwhile, of course, we don't, we have to worry about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She'll get she'll just get some little church down in Arkansas. She'll be yeah, right. pastor for the rest of her life, <laughs> um, telling the same old lies from the pulpit she tells from the talk tells from the podium down at the White House. Um, but how about remember him, Sean Spicer? Well, <laughs> well, we caught up with Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer, uh, he's just sort of hanging around Washington. He had a podcast for a while. I don't know whether he still does. And um, it's, it's telling, by the way, that he wanted he tried to get a contributor job on every network. Every network. Every he wanted his own show. Yep. He wanted to be a contributor. Nobody would hire him. Nobody. So uh, poor guy. He he does or he doesn't have the podcast. I'm not sure anymore. But if you want to find him, you can usually find him at the um, at the Trump Hotel, Trump International Hotel Bar down here on Pennsylvania Avenue. Where somebody caught up with Eric Bowling, who used to be on Fox, right, has his own show somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, he did a uh, live stream. Live stream from the bar. Yeah, yeah. At the Trump Hotel. And who shows up but Sean Spicer. Now, I would never accuse anybody of having had too much to drink, but um, you listen and you decide for yourself. You know, Hi, Spicer. I love you. I really. But, 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 by the way, Sean let, Spicer let, may let, not know this. 
No, no, but you may not love Spicer's politics. I've never loved your politics. I've never had. You should. What are you talking about? You are one. You have the biggest heart of anyone I know. I do. But you my point. But. Don't tell me you're agnostic at the RNC. No, you guys told Trump not to run. That's not true. No, there were some folks. Here's my point. You had a previous guest, Katrina Pearson. My point is, she was with them from the beginning. Like, I, I okay. admit it. Like, I don't, like, my point is, I'm agnostic. I wanted it to win and beat Hillary. Katrina Pearson, who was on here just before I am, before, before sure. I ever was there. Hold on. Just stop. Like, yeah. listen to me. Oh. She was with him I hope. when no one was with him. Right. And, you, okay, don't give me the... I'm giving you a look. Like, oh, look. look. My point is All that there's some people that were there from the beginning. Take his keys away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, take his keys away. I <laughs> hope he wasn't driving. Mm-mm. Having having gone to many bars here in Washington mm-hmm. D.C., at mm-hmm. some point you will always have some bro at the bar mm-hmm. who is hammered. Say, just stop! Like, listen to me. Yeah, just one of those yeah. things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, they've had too much to drink and they want to fight about something stupid. No, I'm not an agnostic. Yeah, I am an agnostic. Yeah, I yeah. know. Just and then, stop! I- like. Listen to me. Hey, 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 listen to me, man. I like that woman that was on before me. Like that, no, there was that woman that was on before me. He just keeps repeating, a oh, poor guy. He sounds drunk. Yeah. I'm not going to say he is drunk, exactly. but he sounds drunk. He does, right, right. Uh, so, again, I hope they uh, did not let him drive away from there, take his keys away. But uh, it, it's also worth pointing out, I think, uh, this is a little bit of good news, uh, that uh, it's safe to drive again in the U.K. because Prince Philip has surrendered his oh, keys. thank God. Yeah. At the age of 97, he uh, agreed that he would give up the keys to God. No more driving for Prince Philip. I've uh, got a I've got a pretty controversial take that I don't <laughs> think I don't think that most people over the age of 95 should be able to drive, especially Prince Philip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember getting in trouble with my mother-in-law one time when I suggested any nobody over the age of 85 should be allowed to drive. Yeah. I'm okay with that too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, as a postscript to that, I read that the Queen does not need, she's the only person who does not need a driver's license because she is the monarch. So you cannot take away her. I mean, she she has the eternal right to. I don't think she does. I, was, I, I also I'm pretty think sure, she doesn't drive. I'm pretty sure she's probably never driven in her life. Right. Maybe a pickup truck around the ranch, right? Or what? But. Yeah, they got enough room, you know, on these <laughs> lands that they could just go nuts. You don't even need a driver's license. Get behind the wheel and just take off. Yeah, right. You won't find her on the open road. Well, I'm glad Prince Philip is off the road. Uh, there you go. Uh, here we go. We've been at it for a while and um, haven't yet talked about the latest from Virginia. You know why? Because, God, nobody can figure it out. It is a disaster, in politically a disaster in Virginia particularly for the Democratic Party. And you know the situation right now. So you've got the three top Democrats, all three top offices statewide, not not talking about the federal offices, held by Democrats, and every one of them is in trouble. Two of them, white men for wearing blackface, the governor, Ralph Northam, who's the first one we found out about, which, again, I remind you, it sounds like this has been going on forever. This was a week ago Friday. That Ralph Northam's yearbook pictures, fate, uh, the pictures in his yearbook of a man in blackface and a man in KKK outfit, where his initial reaction was, "Yeah, I'm not sure. One of them's me. I'm not sure which one it is." 
you know, we, we talk about this all the time about how crazy but, the news cycle is, but when you yeah. put it in that perspective, oh. how much has happened in a week's oh, time? Oh, oh, well, I'll tell you what happened in a week's time is we went from Virginia as the most promising purple state turning blue and about to become blue forever, it looked like, to now the whole Democratic Party machinery and and, and opportunities just dissolving, falling apart, at least for now. Can, can be put back together, but maybe how? That's the big question. How? Uh, anyway, let's come back. So we have Ralph Northam uh, accused of, the, who's admitted using blackface. The Attorney General, uh, Mark Herring, admitted to using blackface uh, when he was in college, when he was 19. And then in the middle, you have the Lieutenant Governor who would take over if Northam stepped down, and originally everybody thought, oh, this is the easy solution. We just get, we just dump Northam. And we get uh, Justin Fairfax. He's a rising star of the Democratic Party. Certainly looked like it at that time. And then wham, here comes an accusation of sexual assault, which, unlike wearing blackface, is a crime and a serious crime. Uh, And then it looks like he might be able to just say he he denied it, denied the allegation. Uh, This is a woman uh, charging him of, sexual assault in a hotel room in 2004 in Boston. But then here comes a second woman now who has come up who said that he actually raped her when she was when they were students at Duke University. Uh, so two um, leaders of Virginia um, admitting to using blackface, uh, which is certainly racist, uh, no doubt about it, uh, expression of racism at that time, uh, in their lives, and uh, and the other one, the third one, accused of sexual assault. No charges filed yet, but they may be. He denies both of those occasions. So, how does the Democratic Party get out of this? Who the hell knows? And again, the problem is, uh, if those three go, then uh, the next governor would be Mr. Cox, whatever his first name is, who is the Republican leader of the uh, the House. Uh, and it was only the leader of the House in the Republicans because he has a one-vote margin, and that one vote was decided by from a tie contest, and two names were placed in the ceramic bowl, and the one that happened to be pulled out happened to be the Republican. Otherwise, there'd be a Democrat, hopefully a clean, totally clean Democrat as head of the House who could step up and become a governor. It is such a mess. Nobody knows a way out. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Uh, and um, there are now voices also who are saying, uh, originally everybody said Northam has to go. Well, then we found out about Fairfax. Now now there are calls for Fairfax to resign. There are also people who say, hey, this isn't fair. You can't keep the white guys there and then throw the black guy out. Uh, so it's just become so entangled, and 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 there's it's like the famous Ionesco play, "No Way Out" or "No Exit." No Exit was the name of the translation. Um, Ralph Northam didn't help matters any. He gives an interview on CBS News. This is his first of all that disastrous news conference last Saturday, right where he said, "I'm ne- I'm I'm not going anywhere." I'm neither one of those two guys in that photograph, I, I decided. But I did use blackface another time when I was just in a Michael Jackson dance contest. By the way, you want to see me moonwalk? I can still do it. Until his wife stopped him. That was bad enough. Disaster. Then he just went, 
disaster. Then he just went underground, which I thought was the smartest thing he did. But for some reason, he decides he's going to do his comeback interview on CBS with Gail King. Um, parts of it played yesterday. The whole interview played on CBS this morning. Where he talks about, um, he says, he said then, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay. We need to cure the illness in Virginia, and nobody can cure it better than a doctor. Ha, ha, ha. I'm a doctor. Uh, nobody can <clears throat> cure it better than a racist doctor. <laughs> right. And let's put this in context, he says, but notice his choice of words. Well, it has been a, a difficult week, and, and, you know, if you look at Virginia's history, we're now uh, at the 400-year anniversary uh, just 90 miles mm -hmm. from here, uh, in 1619, the first uh, indentured servants from Africa landed on our shores in Old Point Comfort, what we call now Fort Monroe. And while also known as slavery. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, by yeah, the way, right. <laughs> yeah. By the way, no, they were not indentured servants. You know, uh, the government workers furloughed. The TSA workers were indentured servants. Yeah. No, they were slaves. Yeah, they were put on the block and sold. Uh, at, at, at any rate, at, at, you know, um, Northam is his own worst enemy. Uh, so we'll just, just they've got to work it out. They've got to work it out. And one of the reasons is we've mentioned this before is that there's so much on the line in Virginia right now. First of all, people of Virginia deserve this. Got to get rid of this. They want to move forward. You got Amazon moving in. That's so important uh, for Virginia. And the important legislative elections are up this year for control of the Assembly, or the House rather, and the Senate in Virginia, with Democrats having, until this happened, an excellent chance of, take, of getting leadership of both houses of the legislature. Uh, and those, those, those races are underway. They're going on. They've got to get this leadership thing resolved and uh, uh it's a disaster total disaster it's a disaster I mean, and just hope somebody maybe the two united states senators maybe the former governors can get together and say okay here's what we got to do and get everybody in the room and maybe work it out but somebody's got to take some leadership here and, and and figure it out you know i i will say i i think that it is and now northam's got to step down i think ralph northam has to go yeah. Uh, full stop. I want to be very, very clear about that. I, I think Ralph too. Northam has to go. Um, and it's really interesting. Not I only mean, for what he did, but how he handled it, if I may. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think both of those are absolutely good reasons for him uh, to, to step aside. But, you know, look. When I when I hear him use a phrase like indentured servants, right? Like, that's not a phrase that's new. Uh, I'm sure you've, you've heard that. I mean, there are people... And my family, who still refer to slavery as uh, as as indentured servants, people who refer to the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression, of course, yes. people who, um, you know, have a very distorted view over that period about that period of time in in our history, and I think that it's a good step that Ralph Northam is sort of learning about some of these problems. It's also good for him to learn it when he's not in charge of the whole state. You know what I mean? So, like, this would be um, better for him to learn about this when he's not governing all of these uh, uh, constituents. Or, that's, that's, that's a real problem. Or it might have been better for him to learn about between the ages of 24 and whatever he is today before he was elected governor last year or yes. two years ago. 
Yeah. You know, there was about a 30 yes. year span there where you would yeah. think. Yeah. You would think. I mean, we, we have so far to go as a country. Um, uh, when, when, again, like that type of language that I just said, you know, the, the indentured servitude stuff. It, it's just how a lot of people, especially in the South, used to refer to slavery. And it was accepted. And we've come to a point where it is no longer acceptable. It's no longer okay. And people have got to learn that. you got to get on board with that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, Virginia, good luck working it out. And if we had the answer, <laughs> we would uh, tell you the answer. Oh, and it was uh, get it fixed uh, fast. Um, and uh, with all of you, uh, we want to uh, welcome someone else to our conversation here this morning. Uh, senior justice reporter for HuffPost, a good friend of the program, back in today, Mr. Ryan Riley. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Thank you, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Uh, and your weekend was, uh, I hope, yeah. tolerable. And, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Back at it this week again. <laughs> yeah, how about it? Yeah. Well, it's particularly good for you to come in today with this government. There's a two-hour government delay. You know, you're, you're like like all of us have done. You're just ignoring that. Right. Treating I mean, it's, it. Yeah, my daughter's school was also, you know, she's a shorter day, so canceled for the day. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's raining out there now. Not necessary, but. <laughs> no, we had just a little dusting of snow yeah. last night. Yeah. Not much. Hardly worth a uh, federal yeah. government shutdown. I'm sure all so the people we, from. We have been um, um, bouncing around a lot of, because there's a lot of different issues today. And one that's not necessarily your beat, although maybe end up, uh, may end up part of your beat. And that is this incredible story about the wealthiest man on the planet, Jeff Bezos, yes. and his uh, problems and his uh, the, his uh, uh, disagreement with uh, and challenge to the publisher. Um, is it Pecker David Pecker? Is that his first? Sounds name? right. Yep. The one yeah, one and only. Of publisher of the famous the, name. The last name is the one everyone remembers. By it, the way, but, but, it's uh, totally Dick Dickinsonian, as yes. I say. <laughs> It is Dick Ginsonian, yes. Yes, right. Uh, shout out HuffPost for having the best headline about this. <laughs> Bezos exposes Pecker. Oh, oh, did you write that headline? I didn't write that headline. <laughs> well, that's what Pecker said they were going to do is expose Bezos' Pecker. And, and, it and works on two levels, right? It does you work know? on two yeah. levels. But, I mean, the fact that Bezos, Bezos, whatever, I thought it was Bezos, but um, he... You know, we know how this. So the Enquirer did this big thing about him having this affair with whatever her name is. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then Bezos, instead of just saying he didn't deny the affair, in mm-hmm. fact, that sort of triggered his announcement that he and his wife were getting a divorce, which yeah. they'd been planning anyway. So he just came forward with that. But then he said, "I want to find out how they knew about this." Yeah. Right. And he started his own investigation. Mm-hmm. At which point, the Enquirer, according to Bezos says you better drop that or we've got these race no, i mean racy yeah right photos um selfies yeah i can't use the phrase i think i want to use but um of exposing body parts no you cannot use the phrase oh Bill. thank you <laughs> uh and we're going to publish those unless you stop this investigation yeah and rather than remain silent he sent out we went to what is it called memo is that the medium medium, medium. the site yep uh, Anderson Cooper the other night read a little bit from Bezos' post on Medium. I wanted to describe to you the photos obtained during our news gathering. In addition to the below-the-belt selfie, otherwise colloquial, colloquial, excuse me, colloquially known 
as a uh, I don't know if I should say that. Ah, uh, Anderson, as don't a say. Blank pick. The Inquirer obtained a further nine <laughs> images, and the email goes on to share details of those allegedly uh, racy photos. I guess you'd play, you'd say, including some selfies. We'll leave it at that. There, they uh, have it. The the claim of blackmail uh, and extortion is based on that. And now we hear, Ryan, mm -hmm. which gets to your department, that the Justice Department may be looking in to the, his allegations of extortion. Yeah, I mean, because uh, right, there's this agreement between AMI, American Media Company, which is the parent company of a national inquirer, um, about whether or not, you know, what exactly they're allowed to do under it. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a deal to basically avoid prosecution. So if that deal is somehow violated by this apparent extortion attempt- and Let me stop you just a, a second. Deal. That deal was signed because Pecker admitted mm -hmm. that, pardon me, he had played a role in covering up some payments made to women who allegedly had affairs with Donald Trump. And he right. and Trump had worked this out that they would get their story and then pay them not to publish the story. Correct. Right. Yes. So, so I mean, he was basically working, or AMI, I guess, was working, because the agreement is with AMI. It's not with Pecker directly. Um, it's a, so it's a non-prosecution yeah. agreement with the actual company. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the Justice Department does actually prosecute companies directly. It's very rare because um, usually the companies are able to work out some sort of deal, such as mm -hmm. in this matter. But, you know, you can charge an entity directly, just as they had with the um, with the Russian uh, entities that were allegedly behind um, some of the, you know, hacking during the uh, 2016 election. So, yeah, I mean, if this violates the non-prosecution agreement, that's, that's a big deal. And that could change that whole um, perspective on that case going forward and whether or not they actually do end up prosecuting AMI for um, the underlying crimes there. So then uh, Bezos further wants to know how did um, AMI or uh, National Enquirer <coughs> get this information? Mm -hmm. uh, and he sort of floated in his memo <clears throat> the possibility uh, that um, because this, these texts were back and forth on his phone, yeah, uh, that somebody was listening in on his phone. Yeah, he raised and that, that might have been either our government mm -hmm. or. The Saudi government. Yeah. I think it seems like, so they floated that as a possibility, but I think what it seems like they've centered in on is the idea that it was actually the brother of the woman he was having a um, relationship with. Um, How did he get access to the phone? That's still sort of a little bit up in up in the air, but he's sort of a, a Trump adjacent and he's like a Trump supporter. He's this uh, like Hollywood agent guy. Yeah. Um, and he mm -hmm. um, had relationships, pre-existing relationships with some people in the Trump orbit. Um, so they're sort of like, going down that path rather than the this but is the didn't he even suggest that um that trump might have talked to pecker about doing something to bring bezos down because we know that trump has a he's one of the he's been out after bezos for yeah. a long time yeah, on washington post as he refers to it to on twitter yeah right yeah. even right before this deal to relocate part of uh, amazon to the washington area right, right. he was after him remember uh, on amazon cheating the post office yeah that was a big thing yeah the, and the Washington Post yep. not being fair, fake news, kind of the whole thing, yeah. right? So yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, what, my favorite line still from the um, from the Bezos Post was um, him talking about per, like it was the most billionaire line ever. I said, you know, I said spend as much money as you um, need to, but um, protect my time. It was like it was like just make sure like this like this thing that's like you know overwhelming my life and you know right now just protect my time. I don't want to be too bothered. I have I have higher minded things to worry about. That was my favorite. Yeah. Just like, yeah, just don't just don't bug me with the details. Just go go figure out what happened here. Um, so where does this go? Uh, 
will he file uh, extortion charges or against? Yeah, it's still that's against that's the a, that's tough to National Enquirer. Yeah, yeah, it's a little tough to um, think of that one now because I think there's there's disagreement about whether or not there's enough evidence to actually make this um, an extortion case, whether or not that language was direct enough. Um, because I mean, people like there is this idea that people enter into these agreements to not um, get you know stuff published essentially um, for different varying reasons all the time, you know, non disparagement clauses and that sort of thing. So I think there's there is some question right now whether enough what um, was put forward in that post is enough to say this was an extortion racket you know this is illegal this is you know we can actually prosecute this now the lower question of course is whether it violates that um, that non-prosecution agreement and I think that's a lower bar and actually could be the more potential there than actually you know going forward with some sort of charge the other thing that's sort of interesting about this is that here's the guy the biggest billionaire on the planet right yeah who um, comes across almost as the champion of the little guy. Yeah. Right? Everyone was taking his side. Everyone was like, yeah, take, go. Everyone's taking his side <laughs> because it looks like, you know, the, the great big brother is after him and violating his privacy yeah. and chopping his phone and everything. And now Jeff Bezos becomes, you know, Mr. Hero of the yeah. average American. Yeah. I could do that, pull that off. I don't know. But he's pretty <laughs> smart. I wouldn't want to be up against him. I'd want him on my side all the time. <laughs> Uh, we got lots more to talk about, including an amazing appearance uh, in the Senate, from the, I mean, the House Judiciary Committee, by the acting Attorney General, uh, Ryan Riley, all over that. Uh, he stays with us here uh, as Senior Justice Reporter for HuffPost on the Bill Press Show. Again, your comments on all the news of the day. Welcome uh, on Twitter, at BP Show. Quick break. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter, at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And Donald Trump bragging this morning, quote, no president ever worked harder than me cleaning up the mess I inherited. No president ever worked harder than Donald Trump. Yeah. The trick around the White House is to catch Donald Trump in the Oval Office. He, he shows up so rarely. According to Axios, 50% of his time last week was spent in so-called executive time meaning hanging around his pajamas, watching TV, and tweeting. At any rate, hello, everybody. What do you say? It's the Bill Press Show on a, fe- on a Monday, February 11. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us online, on the radio, and on television, coast to coast, from our studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're joined by Ryan Riley, who's the senior, just, senior justice reporter uh, for HuffPost, be nice if we could all get away with some of that executive time. Yeah, you right? know, you that's know. the time you said on Twitter is working. Okay, um, oh, let's go with that. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As someone yeah. who 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 looks uh, for Twitter comments uh, all throughout the show, I'm just going to call it executive time. Yeah. from here on out. Mm-hmm. It sounds right. official. That's the executive time segment. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you know they now have a, a bill, uh, a legislation that would require. Uh, people running for president to release their tax returns, every every candidate, Republican mm-hmm. or Democrat. Um, maybe there'll be legislation that would require anybody elected president to actually put in a full day's work. Yeah. <laughs> that might be. <laughs> well, we had a very unusual hearing, uh, Ryan, um, that uh, you covered when the acting attorney general was brought up in front of the House Judiciary Committee. Um, uh, probably the most famous uh, uh, moment of it was when uh, the chairman mm-hmm. is asking the witness 
a question uh, about whether or not he ever had to talk to Donald Trump about certain things that Mueller was up to. Uh, here's how that came down. In your capacity as acting Chairman attorney Jerry general, Nadler. have you ever been asked to approve any request or action to be taken by the special counsel? Mr. Chairman, uh, I see that your five minutes is up, and so um, I'm... Whoa. We, 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 I am here, I'm here voluntarily. I, we have agreed to five-minute rounds. And... Is there something called contempt of Congress? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite an extraordinary moment. I think he heard the room sort of react to it there. Yeah. Was like, yeah, I mean, like, this idea that also, like... I mean, this, this is a historically unprecedented... He's an historically unprecedented acting attorney general. The last time that someone served in acting attorney general capacity who hadn't been confirmed by the Senate um, was just after the Civil War, before the formation of the Justice Department. And that person served for six days. So, I mean, that was like, you know, the time it took a piece of mail to get like, you know, down down the street at that time. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, six days in the 1860s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is an extraordinary um, tenure that he has there. There are a lot of important questions. And I mean, it took them a very long time to get him in front of Congress in the first place. And now the idea that he would be sort of brushing off this oversight or well, what was the What was the point of having him in at all, given the fact that William Barr uh, has been nominated and yeah. will probably be confirmed. Well, that was sort of what Republicans, the point Republicans were making the entire hearing. But I mean, there are a lot of questions about just how he got that job, how he was selected, because they just sort of jumped over Rod Rosenstein. <clears throat> I think that you know he would have been next in line to take over on a, um, an acting basis, and he was actually has been confirmed by the Senate. So that would have been an easier slot to sort of put him in. And of course, um, um, Rosenstein was working already in an acting attorney general capacity when, with regards to the Mueller investigation, he was already in that role, right? So this would have just been, and the deputy attorney general really manages DOJ anyway. Yeah, so yeah. it wouldn't have been that much of a jump. It would have been like basically doing the same job essentially that he was before. By the way, I, I really loved the uh, Nadler's response to that, yeah, that one yeah, clip that we right. just played <laughs> uh, because Nadler was yeah. asked about it. Um, after the fact, and and he actually gave, I think, a pretty good answer to how Whitaker handled that moment. I uh, laughed I at so it. Too. Uh, yeah. I was surprised by it. I laughed at it. Uh, it was arrogant, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Nadler, who could have thrown a little hissy fit and slammed the gavel and said, I'm in charge, yeah. you're not in charge, and made a big deal of it. I, th I think he- He just laughed at him. Just laughed at yeah. him. Yeah, right. <laughs> sort of spoke for itself, I think. Yeah. Uh, I said, let me uh, interrupt just a second to uh, welcome someone else to our uh, table and our conversation uh, from Right Wing Watch, Adele Stan. Hello, Adele. Nice to see you. Great to be with you. Thanks Dan. for coming in. Uh, Ryan Riley uh, here from HuffPost, and hey. uh, we're talking about the- uh, Matt Whitaker hearing. Um, oh, that was special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, so the question they were really trying, I think, got him in because answering my own question earlier, they wanted to prom, probe his interference, if any, with the Mueller investigation and what he might be telling Trump about the Mueller right. investigation. I thought the most interesting he said, the thing he said was uh, that everybody wants to know when is this thing going to be over. Mm -hmm. And and Whitaker gave a very straight answer to that, if we have it, Peter, um, that um, basically uh, it's up to Bob Mueller, uh, nobody else. Bob Mueller is going to finish his investigation when he wants to finish his investigation. 
And <laughs> if that's the case with no interference, it's the way it ought to be, right? Yeah, I mean, the problem was is that he had he sort of um, said at a press conference earlier that this thing is going to be wrapping up soon, yada, yada. That generated a lot of headlines because you're not actually supposed to speak about where the, what the status of the ongoing investigation is, even if it's just to say, oh, yeah, it'll be over soon. That's kind of like an update about the investigation, right? And there are DOJ rules regarding what you're supposed to say about an ongoing investigation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was, I think, reassuring to hear, but to a certain extent. But, I mean, at the other hand, like, why did Whitaker get this job? Like, I think I, there was one member of Congress who I'm blanking on who it was exactly at this point, but just said, how did you do this? Why are you here? Which I think is like the like the bigger question because this guy was sort of I mean he was U.S. attorney he was a U.S. attorney during the Bush administration but like if you look at his recent track record he was sort of this guy in D.C. who's getting who got paid like you know a million point two dollars over four years by some mysterious you know guy or mysterious donor um, who was basically trying to go after Democrats he was like this you know he's sort of a hack I mean you know like and the, he was oh he's you know working with this sort of you know, shady, like, patent company that, like, was very... Mm-hmm. Was accused know. of fraud, I believe. Yes, yeah. was under, is yes. currently under yes. investigation. Yes. Uh, investigation he's recused from. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, the idea of how he got this and is still the sort of big, looming question. I, I don't know whether either of you have any uh, uh, much knowledge about this, but I was intrigued. The New York Times this morning, <laughs> front page headline, that Mueller's team... In a cryptic hint, it says, tipped its hand. One of their attorneys in the courtroom last week filing some motion mm-hmm. could have sort of um, let the cat out of the bag that they're looking, really looking at Donald Trump's financial ties with Russia and maybe agreeing to make deals to lift the sanctions if they, mm. you know, kind of guess went along with whatever yeah, that was in the transcript between the, of the Manafort hearing, I believe. So it was like uh, a sealed hearing, but they put the transcript out afterwards. And right. Some of it was, um, a lot of it was heavily redacted, but there were this, there's this hint, um, at which point they're talking around this, you know, this issue. And they, the, the um, uh, AUSA, I believe, puts a line in there saying, you know, this sort of goes to the heart of what we're investigating. So, yeah, I think it was a interesting hint that possibly where this is. So, so Adele, this this these business ties yeah. between Donald Trump and Russia go way back. Way back to the Soho Hotel in New York with Felix Sater uh, being involved in getting the money, the financing for that. And that was what was that early 2000s, I think, uh, a long time ago. Right. And and the possibility that and then we know from Michael Cohen that they were discussing at least at one point, Michael Cohen said they were discussing the the Trump hotel deal Moscow, in Moscow all right. the way up through election day mm-hmm. November 2016 right right and the question raised is whether Donald Trump's business deals with Russia and with the Saudis has influenced American foreign policy yeah well and that's a huge question i mean that has you know that's everything to do with you know what is your loyalty to your own country um it has to and do what is what is driving your decision right exactly and i mean you know i think most journalists uh, uh who have been looking at this stuff have been you know wondering about that for a long time i mean mother jones did some uh Great reporting on Trump's uh, Russian ties, and as did um, the New Republic, did an amazing piece on sort of the what the writer and I wish I could remember who wrote it uh, alleged was a real money laundering operation, right? And that's the hint that 
you're talking about. And I always wonder, and you would probably know better than I, or Bill certainly as a, a sage of the Washington political scene, how, how deliberate do we think the Mueller team is being in the little hints that they, in terms of for media consumption, the little hints that, that you know, are always, uh, there's always little hints dropped in these uh, court filings. And is it out of necessity or is it that it's for media consumption? Well, first of all, there have been very few little hints right. and very few leaks out of the Mueller right. uh, operation, which, which I think um, makes the ones that we do get all the more <laughs> enticing, right? Right, uh, and, and intriguing, like this one. Yeah, that it may show that their direction is really toward where I thought they would always end up going: follow the money, follow the money. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, yeah, there have been very few hints, but this was one that sticks out at you. I think that, you know, you don't know what they thought was going to be actually recused from the document, um, but yeah, I think that that's uh, definitely a <laughs> definitely a big hint that they potentially dropped there. But it's tough for them to know exactly what's going to make it into the final redactions and what's going to be taken out. Oh, okay. But yeah, this could be something that they were fine with, sort of like butting in at that point. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I want to ask you um, both, particularly you, Ryan, because you cover these justice issues and Adele, you report on them. How much trouble is Roger Stone in? Roger Stone is in, I mean, he's charged. He's in some trouble. Um, and I think that, you know, if he doesn't cooperate, and especially there's going to be this issue currently right now about what exactly he's going to be able to speak about. And that's going to be an issue I think that's going to be um, of, of serious consequence because he wants to be able to speak freely and says it's a violation of his uh, First Amendment rights. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a thing that we're going to actually have a there's going to be a fight out. Because he claims, of course, it's all, uh, to borrow a phrase, trumped up, right? Right. And, yeah. And that any potential for, like, you know, limiting his what he's able to speak about is going to be a problem and <clears throat> violate his First Amendment right, rights. Right. Right. Yeah. And now you have this delicious thing with Jerome Corsi suing him. <laughs> Corsi, who has been this, you know, kind of a hack on the fringes of the of the far right for a long time, writing all, a big purveyor of the birther uh, conspiracy that, you know, stating that Barack Obama um, wasn't born in the United States, all of that. And Corsi and Stone were seemingly in cahoots on the WikiLeaks thing. And I can't remember what Corsi is suing Stone for. Is it something like ridiculous, like defamation or yeah, something it's like, like that? Mul- it's like well, a ridiculous amount of money. I think he was also trying yeah, to yeah, sue yeah. for. I'll just let the two of them just, just fight it out. Oh, it's yeah. Just right. a really match, yeah, exactly. Right? It's yeah. so entertaining. It's a shame that we still have to pay attention to these people, though. It's like, yeah, yeah okay, right, yes, this guy, this guy, this guy. But it okay. seems that there's no doubt that, that Roger Stone is just ba- counting on a presidential pardon. I think that's probably true. I mean, everyone's counting on a presidential pardon, right? That's actually a big part of the Manafort thing. And there is a very interesting redaction in the um, Manafort transcript that everyone thinks is potentially about the idea because they sort of vaguely hinted something unusual going on in the process. And, you know, I think that's sort of where they get into, yeah, he was open for a pardon here because there were these unusual discussions between Manafort's team and Trump's team. um, Yeah, there's definitely been some talk about some definitely pardons behind the scenes, it seems like. Um, so do, do we believe that Mueller has gotten as close as he's going to get to Donald Trump with uh, Roger Stone? Or could it go to, I mean, if it goes any farther, it goes to family members. Yeah, I think then we're going in, you know, within your DNA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A certain member who may share a very similar name to yours might be. Right. Yeah, that's the closest. I think that's probably the next realm of it. Who is, I mean, Don Jr. was at some important meetings for this. So, I mean, that's a big 
big questions. Ivanka as well. She was at some, you know, she was involved in a lot of the, the Moscow tower stuff. So that could come up in some capacity. But I mean, I think that is probably the ultimate line where if, you know, Mueller's team crosses that line, then we're going to see some, you know, I think they better obviously have to be prepared for some sort of extraordinary action from the president in that circumstance if it's actually impacts his kids. Well, then you have the stuff that's the investigations going on in the Southern District of New yes. York, which yes. involved Trump's financials. How, how does that all go together? Yeah, it sort of grew out of the, the Mueller investigation, but that that's actually, I think a lot of people are focusing on that being a bigger threat to his presidency at this point, because it's a lot, it's, you know, it's tough to shut down a special counsel investigation, but it's a lot tougher to do it when it's actually being operated out of the U.S. Attorney's Office. And mm-hmm. I mean, that throws up a ton of red flags if you're trying to interfere in that process and you can't just like fire the person right like you can't like you can fire the u.s attorney perhaps but in this case i think there's a recusal issue with the u.s attorney there but um but yeah you can't just like fire an ausa like willy-nilly you can't fire a federal prosecutor without having like a really good excuse so bill barr Mm -hmm. who has a pretty good reputation in washington uh and served uh hw bush right as Attorney General. He was young at that. But that's always what strikes me. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Long time ago. Yeah, he was a very young um, Attorney General. And, at and he, he has to look at this hornet's nest, right, uh, with Adele, as you point out, it's not just the Mueller investigation. You've got the U.S. Attorney in New York. You've got the New York Attorney General. Right. There's a New York Superior Court where still a sexual assault case is winding its way through there. They're looking at, into his finances, his foundation, everything, right? And Bill Barr, why would he want this job? (laughs) I don't think he did it first. I mean, that's what he said is that he was, you know, he hesitated about it when they first brought it up. Obviously, he allowed himself to be nominated as attorney general. Yeah, he decided to go along with it. I mean, yeah, I think it's an interesting question. I think that, you know, a lot of the issues with whether or not he's, um, how exactly that Mueller report is ultimately going to emerge is, is sort of the overwhelming question here because what he said in his conference is uh, his uh, confirmation hearing is essentially that he thinks that there's this, you know, basically the Mueller report can't be public. That's a confidential document, but there's this sort of summary that they can write up that he would release. And I think that that's a big question because what formed, we haven't been in this situation before, so we don't know what exact form that document is going to take place, what it's going to disclose. Um, yeah, and I think there's a lot of questions about that because if the Justice Department decides, as they're widely expected to, that a sitting president can't be indicted, what does that mean about all this evidence against him? Does that mean because if they but, if, if you f- strictly follow the rules and you say this president can't be indicted, we can't release any um, information that would reflect poorly upon him. It goes back to sort of the Clinton thing. Right. So you, if you're not indicting yeah. someone, you don't release derogatory but, information. You know, on I would take issue with the notion that, you know, Barr uh, didn't want the job. I think he doth protest too much because he really auditioned for it, yeah. Bill, when he wrote this memo. That's true. You know, that is true. yeah. Good point. And and saying that the, the and, and he and he dredged up this false uh, narrative that was, you know, pushed by. Steve Bannon and the Mercer Family Foundation funding Bannon about this whole Uranium One deal. And he said that was a more important investigation. So I, you know. Barr said that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, point point well taken. I guess what I was just reflecting on is after seeing how Donald Trump treated Jeff Sessions. Yeah. Why would you take that job? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I want to switch gears just a second because, Adele, you've been reporting on something. So we saw um, 
the Green New Deal released on right. Friday mm -hmm. with Ed Markey, who's been on this climate change issue in the House and in for the a Senate. a long, long time. A long time. Veteran legislator with a freshman member of Congress who's been there two months, not 15 even. 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. He has like it's, several times the name recognition that he does. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah anybody yeah, in Congress, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and it's just that, and then, you know, Kamala Harris, Amy uh, Klobuchar, Kirsten Gillibrand, they all, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they all endorse that legislation, right? right? I mean, she is a phenomenon. I, and I think even she's some amazing. right wingers recognize that, as you pointed out. Yes, well, you know, they are definitely just very challenged by her social media prowess, for one thing. And, you know, and it's not just that she knows how to strategically use, especially Twitter, um, but it's that she also is a pithy messenger and has long been writing her own messages, and she's her own person. And, wow, she's so New York, and she's so... Uh, She's so the kind of the opposite of of what the ruling party looks like right now. So she is a force to be reckoned with. I am a great uh, admirer at this point of her, and well, I think that she and Nancy Pelosi seem to have come to a really good accommodation and are working very well I together. It was very instructive where uh, when the speaker, I didn't think she meant to put down the Green New Deal, but right. she didn't come across like really enthusiastic right. about it. She said, well, the, the Green Dream or whatever they call it, <laughs> you know, people took that as a put down. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she responded and said, it is a dream. Yeah. It's a great dream. Yeah. It's my big dream. And yeah. We should all be dreaming of these things. I think she's yeah. very savvy. I think she's very savvy. It's, and I and I think Pelosi's been learning from her. I think if you see yeah. some of the, the way yeah. Pelosi has been kind of stepping out of her, her old skin a bit and being a little more brash, you know? Democrats are famously not great at messaging, you know? Uh, there's the old joke about, you know, the, the uh, Democratic campaign slogan, you need to put on two bumper stickers. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, it's always too wordy. And, it's, and you mentioned about her particularly, Pithy, I think, is the greatest. I mean, it's she just gets right to the heart of yeah. it. She doesn't apologize. Right. She doesn't try to beat everything for right. everyone. She no. just puts her ideas out there and then defends them. It's just amazing to me, like, you're looking at, like, you know, you look at the State of the Union and, like, with every reaction shot was, how is AOC reacting? And it's like, yeah. in, in what other circumstances, like, a freshman back, like, in theory, a backbench member of right. Congress, like, oh, ooh, really? Let's see this, what this, how this person can react. It's, like, <laughs> right. crazy. But no, everyone does. She's, like, immediately promoted, like, you know, in the scale of things. She's got as, like, is right up there with Nancy Pelosi, I think, power. We were talking power. earlier, you know, somebody said in response to the Green New Deal, oh, here they go. Boy, this is going to political be political suicide. Um, <laughs> that they, you know, that they, they'll never be able to run on this. And and she made the point. Uh, I was just looking. I don't think we have the sound, but that um, that they haven't lost elections over climate change and never, never have, and never right. will. Good point, right? And oh, I'm sorry, we do. Yeah, here she is. I don't think that we lose elections by addressing climate change. I don't think we ever have, and I don't think we ever will. So she's not backing down. She says, yeah, these are bold new ideas. We're mm -hmm. going to run on them. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah. again, all these presidential candidates who have a lot more cred in the sense that she has been around a lot longer, 
right? right. They're on her train. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, they see the trend and they see the path that she's cutting. And, uh, and you know, people are afraid of a whole lot of things. And Trump may have run on a certain set of fears. But anybody who's lived through a catastrophic storm or fire, and that's a lot of the country now, um, is going to is going to feel that and want to deal with the climate change. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, she <laughs> and she she's she certainly matches Trump in in use of social media. Oh yes, ah, she's better. That, that's, better. That's not giving her enough credit. I that's true. I mean, yeah, not giving her yeah. enough credit. <laughs> and they also called on her to to teach. Yeah, the older members yeah. of Congress. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's so, good at Twitter. To be clear, like there's a yeah, difference she, between that's Trump right. and being that's good. Right. At yeah. She not only does it, but she's <laughs> right. no. She is Trump good is definitely at it. on. And Twitter. you know the point too. She writes her own. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. And Stacey Abrams wrote her own speech. I mean, these are some really talented people we got. Yeah. Oh, what a fun time. Well, it's an important week. We'll see whether we avert another shutdown this week. Ryan Riley, thanks so much for coming in. Sure. Follow him at HuffPost.com. And Adele Stan from Right Wing Watch. Great to see you. Thanks great for to coming be here. in. Thank hey, you. have a great Monday, folks. And uh, we'll be looking for you tomorrow. You this better be back. Is the Bill Press Show.